0: The Hope FM Breakfast Show, brought to you by Creative Dental Clinic Budapest. Get the dental health you and your mouth deserve. Visit creativedental.eu. That's creative, starting with a K and ending with a V, dentalclinic.eu. Well, good morning, everyone. And, uh, you know, you never know what life is going to throw at you. Uh, I was going along with my life quite happily, but four weeks ago, I had a little turn. Actually, it was called a TIA, or a small stroke, for those of you who don't know. It was quite a sequence of events. On the Monday, I saw my GP, who referred me to the TIA clinic over in Poole, and they Referred me the next day to Bournemouth Hospital and to uh, to meet with the vascular consultant, and then, believe it or not, a week later. I had an operation. I really wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone at the Royal Bournemouth Hospital and also Poole Hospital who had any part in looking after me. That care was second to none. Now, in order to help me say thank you, I'm delighted to be joined by the Chief Medical Officer of the University Hospital Trust. Good morning to you, Peter.
1: Good morning, Blair. Thank you so much
0: for inviting me. No, it's a real pleasure. So, uh, uh, Peter, just could you s- tell us how many hospitals are actually in the Trust? So at
1: the moment, well, we have three sites. We have the Poole pool Hospital site, we have the Royal Bournemouth Hospital site, and we have the Christchurch site, which does primarily our patients and has our brilliant um, Macmillan um, Hospital Sanity as well
0: fantastic. Now obviously many of us have benefited uh, through receiving treatment at those hospitals. Now you've been recently appointed as the Chief Medical Officer, but what exactly does a Chief Medical Officer do? <laughs>
1: Thank you for asking. Um, so we, we have 650 consultants and over 1,000 doctors in training in the organization, and my job is to make sure that uh, their well-being, that the workforce that we have is fit for purpose, Um, and obviously at the moment, uh, working through our reconfiguration where we're moving our services around, that's quite a big Um, A big job. I also work with the chief nursing officer, so my nursing colleagues and operations, to ensure that the running of the hospital, so if there are issues around how we run the hospital, and obviously on a daily basis, that could be ED, that could be anywhere, Um, and it's really just to make sure that the running of our hospital is as smoothly as possible, and to make sure that the the doctors um, both perform what they need to do and are looked after appropriately.
0: Now, obviously, you're a doctor yourself. Am I right in saying that your discipline is paediatrics?
1: Yeah, I, I, used, uh, I, I used to be stopped during the middle of uh, COVID. Uh, I was in children's intensive care. And so I was I did that for about 20
0: years. <laughs> now, obviously, this is a bit of an unfair question, really, because I know you're new in post, Peter. But what sort of a vision do you have, taking on this very challenging role at this, well, let's be honest about it, it's a challenging time for the NHS generally. But what sort of, what sort of a vision have you got for the job that you're being asked to do?
1: Thanks, I, I really think, although it is obviously challenging and uh, everyone can see in the newspapers um, how tough it is, both, both for people trying to get care and, and for, for staff, I suppose our vision and my vision is um, is how do we offer the best possible care with the resources that we've got over the next five to ten years. And that's why we're going through our reconfiguration, the idea of, of being able to um, have a very large Acute hospital and then another large hospital where we can do all our elective surgery because what we know that in winter, one of the big issues is a lot of surgery gets cancelled because of just, because we're inundated with with people with respiratory illness, which is normal. And so this will allow us to offer the people of Poole and Bournemouth the best possible care. We're one of the first in the country to be able to do that. And I think being able to deliver that over the next two to three years um, and then also to be able to have, to be able to attract the workforce that we need to make us one of the best hospitals in the, in the country is, is the vision. Um, it's not going to be easy, but I think we're all committed to delivering that.
0: Obviously, we're hearing a lot about the challenges that the NHS faces. People having to wait for operations and so on, and sometimes, of course, that can cause people to get quite angry and and so on. Um, but what are what actually, from your perspective, what are the real key challenges that the NHS faces, and more particularly that our, that our trust locally faces? Yeah. So I
1: think that the, I think that um, the, the overall challenge that we all face in the NHS is workforce. At the moment, just being able to uh, attract people to do the job um, is difficult, and that's not just within the NHS, it's across our social care as well, and that has a knock-on effect for us. And so I think, you know, locally, it's about making sure that we're working with our communities, that we are looking after people, um, and, you know, making sure that we can bring the right people into the organisation. And, and then the, the second bit, that's a huge challenge, is, is for the is for the you know, for the public, because obviously, um, you know, we are committed to offer the best possible care, and when we can't, and when, when we when there are delays, um, that's not right for the public. And so, tr- trying to work with the public, trying to make sure that we are collectively working together to do the right thing, is you know, top of my list.
0: And I suppose sometimes you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, you know, because the demand, as you have already said, is is huge, and of course, obviously, people who are waiting for operations. Well, clearly, they, you know, they want those operations as 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 quickly as they possibly can. But you're having to work within a system, of course, which has many many challenges. And what happens on on the national front impacts us very much locally as well, doesn't it? Absolutely, and
1: I think. Yeah, you know, and and that's why programs like being able to talk to people, you know like yourselves and and people in the, um, in the public are really important because I think you know I think one of the one of the huge advantages during COVID was well, and there were very few was the way the public and the NHS you know, collectively uh, work together, and I think. Yeah, that quite rightly has been eroded a bit because people are frustrated, and I think we've got to try and keep holding on to that because that's really important.
0: Do you get much, you know, by way of feedback from from your patients?
1: We, we do. Um, so uh, we we are part of what's called a, um, a friends and families uh, test uh, that we do every year, and our last one because I, I knew you would ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, sorry. I have the um so our last one was in June, in June uh this year, so that was two months ago, and we had a two, about two and a half thousand respondees and um ninety four point five percent was good uh two point six percent was poor so you yeah, know I think we feel we're we're moving in the right direction yeah. we know that we we have about seventy to ninety complaints a month which is you know, which is higher than we would like but we, we all try to do, do mm-hmm. those
0: are there any sort of common threads that peop people pick up on?
1: I, I think the common threads at the moment are collect, uh, around um, waiting times, which is which we completely understand, yeah. and uh, you know our, our waiting times are not what we would like them. I think, especially at the moment, on the sites, the, um, signposting and um, the disruption caused by buildings is a is a. And so, our, and, our, and our state is not what we would like, in, and that's part of the reason why we are building at the moment is to try and offer people a better experience. Yeah. And, and most of it is around communication.
0: Well, my very special guest is the Chief Medical Officer of the University Hospitals Trust, Peter Wilson. Peter, we're seeing a lot of building works obviously going on both in Bournemouth and, and indeed in in Poole. Uh, What what really can expect people? What, what can people expect to see uh, in terms of service delivery uh, as a result of all the building work going on at the moment?
1: Thanks, uh, So the, the, over the next two years, what we will start to see is once the building is complete uh, that everybody can see as they drive past the Bournemouth site, is into that building will go our brand new emergency department, which will be bringing together the pool and Bournemouth site emergency departments into a, a, a large emergency department that we... For, for purpose for the future, there will still be services offered, so emergency services offers, offered on the pool site, which is very important. So the local population will still be able to get urgent urgent care. Um, but ambulances would all come to the to the, the, the Bournemouth site. and into there as well will go on um, will go our pediatric and maternity services and as well as a larger intensive care unit and what that will allow us to do is to bring all our emergency services so all the services where you're you're unwell because of medical reasons also or or and some of our our high risk surgical um procedures and that will allow us to have on the pool site uh what is called an elective surgery surgery site and there will be a lot of building going on as we build more theaters and upgrade um our patients within pool so we will do a lot of our our patient work in pool and we will also make sure that uh we can deliver as much surgery as we can possible on the pool side, which will mean that during winter, uh, we can still operate where for a lot of the NHS um, operations are delayed during winter in particular because of lack of beds, bed space. So I think, you know, although there's going to be big change, and um, I think we can assure uh, people, and especially uh, those that live on the pool side, that it should not delay care, and really what we think is this will enhance care and they'll get a, a better service into the
0: future. Now, apart from your amazing staff, you have lots of volunteers who help You know, in the hospital. What sort of things do they do?
1: Uh, so they do a huge amount. To be honest, we have 250 volunteers across across the, the three sites. Um, we, we couldn't really do... Uh, Anything without them. Uh, they do things from um, helping um, move patients backwards and forwards, acting as a friendly face coming into the hospital. You know, Both sites are, are a bit of a rabbit warren if people have visited. Um, it's difficult to get around, so moving them around, um, offering administration and ward support, um, and, I, and I think just being a presence to, to be able to support our nursing and medical staff and, d- and doing the things that we want to do every single day and we are so grateful for them uh they're a wonderful group of people and if any of you you know if we meet them they're always friendly they're always helpful and we could never do our job without them so a huge shout out to our volunteers thank you
0: and would you would you like to see more volunteers come forward peter
1: we would love to see more volunteers come forward and um if i could do a little plug if people are interested um you could email proud to as in P-L-O-U-D-T-O <clears throat> dot volunteer at UHD.NHS.UK, we would, be one, we would be delighted to hear from you. Thank you.
0: Now, of course, obviously, you're serving uh, local residents. What can we as local residents do to make life just that wee bit easier for you and your team? I think
1: just Yourselves, you know. I think that the support we get from from our from from our local residents is is, is huge. I think, I, I suppose, the only thing I would ask, and especially over the, the the foreseeable future, you know, with the industrial action on, is just a little bit of understanding. Everybody is working flat out, um, you know that's not that is our job so we should be but um, you know it's it's under reasonably trying conditions at the moment and so I think just a little bit of understanding uh, I certainly think uh, for this weekend if you don't need to come through the emergency department if there are other options open to you please use them because you know we have we have another four days of industrial action over the weekend and that does not mean that if you not don't come you will not get the care you, do, you need and we're not suggesting don't come but just and
0: think. well Peter from from one grateful patient to all of your staff and indeed yourself a massive thank you I'm sure that the patients that I met when I was I was two days actually in the hospital but uh, the care was just amazing and I know some of the other patients that I spoke to and uh, would echo that as well and no doubt many people who have gone through your different services at one time or another would want me to say that so well done thank you so much that's a savage garden there and truly madly deeply. My thanks to Peter Wilson and indeed to all of the staff at the uh, the University Hospitals uh, Trust uh, locally. Now my next guest is also connected um, with the medical profession but it took her to a country called Sierra Leone Penny Robertson related actually to somebody not a million miles from me right now in the studio. good morning to you, Penny.
2: Morning.
0: Now tell us a little bit, You, you you obviously served in Sierra Leone. What took you there? What did you what did you do?
2: So, I worked for um, the part of the UK government that was called the Department for International Development. It's now merged with the Foreign Office. So, you might know it as a Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office. And um, I went out to Sierra Leone as a head of health and education. So, um, you all might know that um, part of your tax goes to international aid. And we have an incredible commitment from the UK to support countries all around the world who are less fortunate than us. Um, and we have lots and lots of programs within that aid budget Um, so there are many staff like myself who go out and help uh, program those initiatives so I was across health and education but obviously many people know Sierra Leone for things like the Ebola outbreak Um, and so the health portfolio was really really important building back a nation's health system after such a severe shock. Now paint
0: a bit of a picture about Sierra Leone if we were transported there what what would we find?
2: Uh, So Sierra Leone is in West Africa, it's on the coast, um, and uh, it's a very, very small country, very round, which I think is, um, it's unusual for um, its kind of its area and it's an incredibly large port um, but the really fun things about Sierra Leone is you would find a beautiful white sand beach uh, bathwater temperature seas uh, beautiful uh, jungles and rainforest chimpanzees um, and uh, lots and lots of amazing wildlife um, so it's one of those countries where you want everyone to go and see it because it is incredibly beautiful it's just ha- it's just been hit by so many shocks um, that I think suffered in that way. But I'm hoping that tourism will come to Sierra Leone in the not too distant future, because it was going to go in that direction before it got hit. So is that
0: their main source of income?
2: Tourism. Yeah. I think it's tourism and agriculture. But I think, you know, the external income, they don't have a a really Mm. good source at the moment. Um, And so actually a lot of people just need to be able to provide for their own lives and not depend on tourists coming through.
0: Now, what sort of a job did you do when you were there?
2: Um so I'll talk mainly obviously because of the nature of this program on the health side um so I was the team leader and health advisor so what I would do um, is talk to um, all the hospitals talk to the minister of health the president um, and various different uh, members of the national um, the, the national health system Um, And then all the NGOs and UN agencies that are helping in the country and try and figure out, you know, what are the real needs here? What can we do and how can we best program the UK's investment in Sierra Leone to make sure that... um, people are healthier and happier in the country. Uh, So some of our primary objectives were actually around maternal and child health because those are the statistics that are really bad uh, in the country. Um, So real snapshots of the programmes. One of the the best initiatives was a special baby care unit, and that's um, quite a standard thing for UNICEF. We worked really closely with them. And we set up nine special care baby units across the country where if the baby is severely sick or premature, they go into this unit um, and you take survival rates from almost zero in those contexts to around the 93 percent mark, which is incredible um, because you have really well trained, dedicated staff and the right equipment um, to be in place. And silly things like the right power. Um, so, a lot of what I did um, wasn't just saying, okay, we need this medical intervention. It was the system around it. So, how do I make sure that the incubator that we've bought is always on when there's a baby in it? Because the, um, there's not actually enough money for fuel um, for the generator. So, actually, okay, maybe we need to solar power the hospital.
0: So that brings me to comparing the NHS here with the medical services in sierra leone um, have you pre- Have you appreciated more? i know you 've been a patient yourself just recently mm-hmm. we 'll get on to that in a moment but uh, but you know comparing the two systems I mean should we be grateful for what we have
2: very very much so and and as you said i 've just recently had a child um, and being in hospital in the UK you know you're almost crying at the amount of equipment that's available the amount of specialist care and training that's available Um, and it it is really hard when a time when the NHS is so challenged when people are frustrated with delays um, and frustrated with services um, and those in the care profession themselves are frustrated with the system Um, and all of those things need to be tackled but actually having seen it in such a low resource context you realise just how much we actually have.
0: I know that people get frustrated because they can't get their operations in time or they get bumped <coughs> and there's all sorts of things. Peter was talking about some of that, you know. But actually, you and I have both received services and very different services. I wasn't there to give birth. You'll be pleased to know. Mm. But uh, but obviously, we've both been recipients. Uh, I, I just find that the staff were just amazingly, you know, smile on their face. Mm. And let's be honest about it, one or two awkward patients. Not very patient. Mm. <laughs> uh, and of course some people distress sometimes distress patients because obviously they're some very ill people in hospital. Your experience of maternity, of course, were you were you anxious having your first baby?
2: Yeah, you always are and I think I'm a very anxious Patient and person in general. So we were we were going. My husband and I were going in, expecting me to be so. Um, and you know, when people are scared, they aren't on their best behavior. No. And so I I have unbelievable respect for the caregivers who deal with us in those contexts. Um, but actually, having expected to be incredibly nervous when I got in there, and being honest, I did have <clears throat> quite a lot of complications. You know, we went from everything's fine to in ten minutes there was lots of people in the room. We were rushing to surgery.
0: Is that a bit scary for you
2: that- that was, but you know what? I just sat there and was like, you know, this is going to be fine. You look stressed enough for the both of us. Um, uh, you seem to have a plan. You know what you're doing. And I think I just had an amazing peace when that was all going on because I just really had confidence that they knew exactly what they were doing. They had my best interests, my baby's interests at heart, um, and they had the resources they need to get the job done. And I know that's not always the case, but in my context, it just made me feel really calm and took all that anxiousness away.
0: So, are you pride? to work for the nhs
2: so i don't work for the nhs i work for the civil service um and with uh, connections to the nhs yeah with connections because
0: you did a lot during covid didn't you
2: yeah i was part of the covid response um at the uk's department of health um and so again you just build up this incredible respect for the nhs and those that work in it um knowing um what they're delivering because you're kind of seeing it not even just as a patient but you're seeing it on paper um as well um and so um really, really proud to be part of a system, a health system that is like that, particularly having seen how it can be elsewhere.
0: And of course, you've got a proud granddad here in the studio with us. And uh, he's always talking to me about Luca. Uh, how are you adjusting to be a mum?
2: Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's a big question. I love Luca with all my heart, and he's such an amazing baby. But I think it's really hard adjusting to be a mum. Being honest, you know, I love being with him, but you are sleep deprived. Yes, <laughs> uh, you are. I mean, I woke up. We had a cold last night, so that was hard. I think I. I would be honest. I wasn't prepared to be a mum. Yeah, um, and the identity shifts that go along with that. Having done such big jobs, having. Um, been such a lazy person that I liked my naps. I can't believe afternoon. that. Oh so lazy. Believe- and and so I think it's one of those things that I'm quite passionate about is just being you know, mums being really honest about the fact that you can really love your baby, love being a mum, love your new life with a family and want more children. Um but actually being able to say, you know, it's really hard being a parent and I wasn't ready. The
0: Hope FM Breakfast Show, brought to you by Creative Dental Clinic Budapest. Get the dental health you and your mouth deserve. Visit creativedental.eu. That's creative, starting with a K and ending with a V, dentalclinic.eu.